Welcome to another episode of USAV Bandwidth, where we talk everything from A to V and beyond. I am here today, joined by Tomas from HereWorks, just outside of Dublin, Ireland. And we have some a special topic to talk to you guys about. This is uh, something pretty cool that Tomas showed me a little bit ago, and I'm curious to hear all about it. We'll be talking about master systems integrators. Pretty cool, unique thing that these guys are doing over in Ireland. So wanted to bring it over to everyone here in the States and beyond. So Thomas, welcome. Thank you for joining. Why don't you give us a little background on just, you know, HereWorks as a company? Yeah, good afternoon, Patrick, or good morning. I'm not sure what time it is uh, around the world, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. thanks a million for having me on. Yeah, so how do we get into this? First of all, we're, a, I suppose we're an AV company. We're around since 2007. But we're actually a division of a construction group called McKeown Group, which is around since 1950, actually. We celebrated 70 years there uh, a year or two ago. Well, we didn't because of coronavirus, but anyway, we'll get there yet. But uh, we always approach things slightly differently to a lot of our competitors. My background's in telecommunications. I'm actually an electronic engineer by trade, then worked with a lot of uh, ISPs, worked with a lot of RF engineering, wireless, wireless protocols and all that kind of stuff. And then when I came back, when we set up HereWorks in 2007, we jumped straight into converged networks. We didn't do a whole lot of analog AV. We were kind of straight into IP networks and all that kind of stuff. So we, at that stage, you know, AV over IP was kind of at its infancy, but that's what we kind of started off with. And that led to a lot of our success in the early years because, um, you know, we had that edge. That was our own background in IP networks. Um, fast forward to about 2019, but everyone else was well caught up with us. I know I'll get in trouble for saying this as well, but... A lot of what we do in AV has become a bit commoditized. You know, you see this conversion and, you know, the, this big debate is AV, uh, IT is IT, AV, and sometimes IT hate AV. But now you see a lot, a lot more IT companies, certainly on this side of the pond, getting more and more into meeting room systems. You know, you see the prevalence of, you know, Teams rooms and Zooms rooms and meeting room in a box and all that kind of idea. And it has become a lot simpler. It's a lot simpler now to set up a meeting room, a huddle space. Even bigger boardrooms now has be, become that big simpler. Yes, when you get into more bespoke and you're into proper audio and you're, you know, multiple microphones. Yes, that's where there's still a niche and still a speciality there. But I suppose we were trying and we could see the margins getting squeezed all the time. You know, what was very, you know, a, a profitable business was now getting less specialized and whatever. So we started thinking, OK, what's what's next? What's next for HearWorks? What's next for the industry? Actually relaunched at that stage in 2019, we changed the name from what was McKeown Group Technology to HearWorks. You know, we had this concept of a truly smart building where every single system is talking to one another. They're all not just in silos. It's not just the AV system. Obviously, we'd gotten to the stage where the AV system talks to the, the booking room system. But was it speaking to the security system, the lifts, access control system, even the catering systems, you know, space analytics, all this kind of stuff. So... You know, and that's great. It's a great utopia where everything everything talks to each other. But actually then, as we started talking more and more about it, we started looking towards airports and how they, they work. And if you, if you imagine an air, airport for years, they have loads of different disparate systems, but they have to speak to one another. So when you go into an airport and you check in and you get your boarding pass and then you use that boarding pass to go through security and you look at the, the flight timetables and your bag has been tagged and it goes through a conveyor belt and it ends up in the plane. All those systems are talking to one another. In airports, there was this concept of a master systems integrator that tied all these systems together. And then, you know, I started, we weren't, we weren't the first to market on this, but um, started investigating in, in the States, actually. And interestingly, we found a difference between the East Coast of the States and the West, where 
the West had started to use this term and, uh, you know, a lot of the tech companies had started to talk about wanting master systems integrators. The East Coast, not so much. And then over this side of the pond, not so much. So we started really investigating what is this? And we noticed that a lot of MSIs, as we'll call it from now on, or master systems integrators, as distinct from a system integrator, which we all know that's what we were, that's what, what most of our members are. We noticed that most of those people had come from building controls background. We call it BMS over here, building management system. I think you call it B. Yep. Is it BMS or something? Anyway. BMS, yep. Yeah. So we said, okay, well, let's approach it slightly differently. So as we're part of a construction group, we know building fabric very well. We have a mechanical and electrical division. Then we have our technology company. And also some of the other entrants were software companies that had no kind of real connection to the physical, you know, the building fabric, actually how building projects run. So we said, let's give this a go. Let's actually take the concept we have for joining all this information together and actually making the information tangible. Because yes, all these systems for the last 20 years, they've worked quite well. Your CCTV system, your lift, your BMS systems, they all work but they're not talking to one another. And MSI's role is purely, you know, in the, well, not purely, in the first instance, just to collate all that data. Make sure that if you're the BMS man, right, and you're going to feed a load of points into my data lake, and the data lake is where we store all this information. So I need to know from Patrick, first of all, what are you going to send me? So what systems are you putting in? What can I expect from a fan coil unit, from your air handling unit, from the lift? What data points can it give me? And then I'll say, okay, well, I want you to give me that, but it has to be in this format. So I'm I'm expecting it to be called this. So one of the first things is actually, what do we call everything? So is a lift a lift or is it an elevator? Or is it a, you know, these different, and and every system integrator might call something slightly different. You know, is a light switch a light switch? Is it a switch or is it a dimmer? Is it? So the very first thing an MSI will do is actually try and just get a common naming scheme. And then we'll build a data model. And there are, off-the-shelf ones, you know, that are coming to the fore, like Brick and Haystack. And actually, Google have developed their own called Google Digital Buildings. Of course they have. Yeah. <laughs> it's based on the best of Brick and Haystack. Sorry, Patrick, go on, yeah? Yeah, no, I was, I'm curious because, you know, you're talking about all these different, you know, BMS systems and lift systems. How forthcoming are these integrators that put these systems in? How forthcoming are they with, with this information? Are they just saying, here you go, have at it? Or is there some some convincing that this is a good thing to bring all these systems together. That's where I'm kind of struggling with because you have all these different, you know, integrators. So why am I just going to give you all this data exactly. and access, you know? It's a really key key point, actually. And it's the key point to the success of an MSI's role on a building because you never had an MSI before. So first of all, you're saying, right, here's this guy, he's an MSI, and you're going to have to send him a load of data. And they're going, yes, well, here, here, hold on. My give system, him all the keys to the kingdom. Yeah, my system's always worked perfectly well. Why do I have to do this? So if we take a step back, when should an MSI be appointed? And to me, an MSI should be appointed before the general contractor, before the specialist subcontractors, before the M&E guys, so that they can sit with the design team and say, actually, yes, you might have a digital building consultant who designed the systems, but the MSI should come on early to say, right, this is the data model I'm going to use. This is the schema we're going to use. And this is how we're going to name things. And then actually, because this is so new, when you're appointing a general contractor, you're appointing a specialist contractor, we need to know that they, we need to put in their tender documents that they have a responsibility towards an MSI. And that's not to say that, that they work for the MSI. That's not the case. In fact, the MSI will generally work for the main contractor, the general contractor on the job. Anything to do with data, they have to report to the MSI. So from the very get-go, they should be educated what's required, 
why it's required. And we are still in an educational mode. We are still evangelists for actually why. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Why are we actually doing this? But that's the key to success that an MSI is appointed early. Everyone knows the responsibility. And then what we've realized actually of late is that your project management skills as an MSI and your people skills are every bit as important as your technical skills, because for that very reason, you are still educating and people are under enough pressure trying to get systems commissioned without having to worry about whether using camel case or snake case or underscores or, but you imagine what happens. Patrick, you go in, you go to commission a system and you're calling it F1 for floor one. And, you know, the guys doing the the access control will call it floor one. Somebody will put a capital letter in and everyone has a slightly different way of naming things that will all work. But this is the importance of the MSI to just get things named right first, get it into the data lake. Then we get into the exciting pieces. Why are we actually doing this? Well, if we have all the data there and the big tech companies understand this, of course, they understand the value of all this data because now you can apply machine learning and you actually start to see trends with the data. Those trends can be used for anything from actually, you know, employee well-being through to the energy efficiency of the building. But things that the human will never will never see or even look for, you know, what happens on a rainy Wednesday when the traffic is bad and the canteen runs out of coffee, everyone exits the building. (laughs) You know, we don't we really don't know what these trends will be. But what we do know for sure is that we will start to learn how the building breathes, how people move in the building, what areas the building are used more than others so we can redesign we can switch off parts of the bill and not switch off completely, but, you know, we can set temperatures back and close all the desks off on a Friday evening on one of the floors so that we're not using as much energy when there's nobody in the building. Um, so the possibilities with this data is huge. This is the interesting bit. That the, the boring part is getting the data, getting it shaped right, getting it into the data lake, and the exciting bit comes after. It's the it's the software. Yeah, the, all, all the reporting. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Now, Let's talk a minute about um, internet security and network security. And in order for all these systems to talk to one another, there has to be some connection points between the two. But then there also, I'm sure, is firewalls and all kinds of things that, that come into play here, right? It, how much of a focus is, is security with you guys? It's, it's probably the biggest It's probably the biggest hook. And it's the, probably the easiest way to sell an MSI's requirement to any organization that's security conscious, which is pretty much hopefully everyone now. You know, for every sensor that's out there, there's a cloud service with it. You have sensor manufacturers popping up everywhere, and some of them are great sensors, but a lot of them are tied to a cloud service. So they they have to send the data to that cloud service, and that's a problem right? because, okay, even if that data is encrypted, you can actually tell a lot about what's going on from a building by just actually the volume of data that's been sent. If you happen to know that that sensor is in a particular room, you can tell if there's someone in there or not, just by actually the volume of data that's coming from it. So you really need to control where that data has been sent, as well as that if you have a cloud service for your occupancy system and you have a cloud service for your digital signage system, you've one for your, it just becomes impossible to manage because you've, you've so many vendors. So how do you keep track of all their security? So what we're seeing a lot, maybe it's a bit backwards, but what we're seeing a lot with our major clients who are big tech, obviously everything has to be approved. So actually part of our role will actually be to do uh, security testing on any piece of hardware that goes into the building. But they really do not like third-party cloud services. They want the devices purely to send the information to their data lake and they'll do the analysis. 
And they have two, they have hardware device qualification, which allows the hardware to be there. And then they have a VSA, a vendor security assessment for the cloud platforms. Very few systems get through that VSA with, with I'm going to say, our biggest client. And MQTT is a huge part. So if we see, if we see a device come in and it's got MQTT and it's, uh, you know, modern encryption, we're delighted because we can just send, we can just send all that information, whether it be a temperature sensor or whether it be an occupancy sensor. But when it's purely tied to a cloud platform, it's a big problem for big tech. Come back to the medium sized companies and they will allow it. But this is where we need to really assess, right? Are these trusted partners? Where's the data being sent? Has it been sent, you know, and okay, maybe it's been sent to AWS or it's been sent to GCP and we can, you know, we can actually have some sort of visibility that is staying in the EU and it complies with GDPR depending on obviously where we are in the world. But we can also then actually do some security testing on the device as well to see, you know, is it, is it well hardened and can we lock everything down? Can we put things onto specific VLANs? I mean, you know, we're, we're used to it in the AV world. We have an AV VLAN and we have access control lists and all that kind of stuff. So even in the medium size where they will allow us, there's still a big, big thing that you can't just buy any sensor off the shelf and just, you know, spin up a new cloud platform and then just, a lot of people forget about these systems because they put the system in, they completely forget about them because actually there's nobody there. There's no one in charge of managing it. They have 10 different systems, you know, that they have different logins for. And so, you know, I always talk about it's the difference between a smart building and an intelligent building. It's the difference between your friend who's a very high IQ and who uh, has absolutely no common sense at all. And that's, I suppose, that's where an MSI comes to a fore to actually just make the, in the very first instance, make the data accessible. That's cool. I'm sure all the data is, is absolutely the biggest. It's not only is it, is it the best thing, but it's also could be the, the worst thing too, because like you said, you could have all this data, but if, there, if there's no way to then report on it and then use it, what's the point of all the data? This is the next piece. I mean, and again, if you compare it to, you know, your building managers who might have access to a BMS system and they've loads of data from the air handling unit and the fan coil units and whatever, and they've loads of alerts, but they don't, they can't get to the crux of the information. You even Google there, if you actually Google BMS dashboard and you look at what comes up, it's so complex. Like there's so many dials and gauges and you're like, what? So again, the second part of an MSI or any person who can work on the data then is actually bringing that data to something usable. We're developing our own system in HeroWorks called HeroWorks Happy, and that would plug into the data that with the data lake. But what it concentrates on is the well-being of, uh, of the humans within the building. So what can we take from that data to tell us how people might be comfortable or not comfortable in the building? And the obvious one is internal environment. Is it warm? Is it humid? Is it whatever? But actually, from that data lake, now, yeah, we can tell the weather outside. You can tell the traffic outside. You can tell how many people are in the building, how long they've spent there, how long is the queue for the canteen. You can tell how many hot desks are free, how many meeting rooms are free. All that plays into how happy a person is in the building or, you know, those pet hates. We'll actually ask, as part of our system as well, we'll ask them, for feedback on their chair and their, it, it depends on the day or what's actually important to the company. But we're all work. The point is that as Heroes Happy is very different to our MSI role, we're just plugging into that MSI data and Heroes Happy wants to get out of that data is about well-being. Now you'll have knock-on effects to energy and things like that. But the point is that you have a single source of truth for whatever software layer that you want to layer on top of the data. You go to the data and everything is there and no building manager, no HR manager, 
is going to look at all that data. What they want to do is actually look at what's important to them. So is it the employee well-being? Is it the energy efficiency of the building? And that's a great term. I think uh, our CTO uses it all the time. Is that that single source of truth rather than having to go to multiple locations looking for all this? It's all there. All you have to do is pull the information that you did that's important to you. And that's going to be a huge industry as well. Um, you know, no, absolutely. Huge, massive industry. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about how do you go to market? Who is your focus for a customer, for a client, um, you know, and how are we going about just selling this? Yeah, well, I mean, we, uh, I suppose it was an easier sell to big tech, you know, because they got it. So we, we, how do we, how do we go to market? It's a, good, it's a good question. We went to a lot of the consultants. So your traditional mechanical electrical consultants. I mean, you know, we explained what we were doing for the more, forward thinking guys, they got it straight away. We went to digital building consultants, obviously, and we educated the market that way. As I said, we weren't necessarily first to market. We were, we were in Ireland, I think, um, or certainly very, very early here. Anyway, there's not, not many MSIs in Ireland. We supposed to start talking to big tech as well through the consultants. And then we managed to actually get on tender lists. So we were actually being asked to get on tender lists. What was different about us was we always focused on the human. We always sold the end goal of what we were trying to do with this data. We weren't just talking about the data and we weren't just talking, we weren't coming from a controls background where we were just talking about air handling units. We were talking about everything. So our hook there was the person that we were always saying, how will we use this data to make your biggest problem? You know, and pre-pandemic, this was when we talked, what's the biggest problem for a CEO pre-pandemic? It was people. Finding staff, hiring staff, keeping them and making them productive. And there's loads of research there that says if you actually just focus on the well-being and not the productivity, don't, if you try and focus them on productivity, you'll drive everyone out. But if you make them happy and you create, we talk about truly inspired employees that are profoundly happy with what they do and feel a connection to their employer. If you can do that, productivity will come out of it. But interestingly, focus on the human and our habits. And now you actually, you've solved your sustainability issues as well, because you know now what the habits are. You know when to make them comfortable. You don't have to make them comfortable on a Friday at three o'clock because they're not in the building. So my big thing is focus on the human and everything else comes comes right. I love it. I, you know, I didn't even think we would even get to talking about, you know, what is the, the end result, but it makes a lot of sense to focus on the human aspect of things because that's the great hook. I love that cell, you know, um, all the data is great and, and tying everything together is great, but what is the ultimate goal and what, what is the end game? And, and having that, that human element factor is, is really, really cool. I love it. Well, I read it. Funny, I read the study around human building interaction. And it's, it's not new. It's, it's probably uh, 2015, 2016. And, you know, it talks about the fact that nowadays when you go into a building, you can't even open a window. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so if you're uncomfortable and think about what opening a window does or closing a window, you know, it affects how warm you are. It affects your privacy. It affects the quality of the air you breathe. So that simple action has been removed from most buildings. So again, we're not going to bring that back. We can't allow everyone to open a building. We can't allow everyone to adjust the heat. We can't allow everyone, whatever, close the blinds. But what we can do is, is figure out what does Patrick like? What Patrick actually prefers, you know, 22 degrees is distinct from 21 degrees. He feels more comfortable in that heat. He, you know, he likes to be with his team. Or, you know, maybe he, he's autistic and he prefers to be in a quieter place with a different shade of light. You know, people are so different. Let's send them to parts of the building that suit them. So let's not make the building uniform. Let's make uh, the building slightly different and then send people to where they're comfortable. And now, now you see the difference between 
between just trying to solve for everyone. We work under the, um, I don't know if you've heard of the framework jobs to be done. It's like a, an innovation framework or a design framework where you figure out as a software company, what problems are we trying to solve? What job would our clients hire us for? So we went and we spoke to a lot of our UX expert, um, Julie went and spoke to a lot of our potential clients. So facilities people, real estate managers, HR people. And if you talk to the facilities, real estate people, the amount of time they spend just answering calls about it's too hot, it's too cold. <laughs> it's like, sure. that is complete. <laughs> and, and a lot of the time they don't do anything about it other than just say, yeah, yeah, we look into that now. But the amount of time and energy and headspace they're wasting just to do that. So if we could solve that problem and nothing else, it's been a success, you know. Well, I think this is so timely because, you know, with, with everything going on in, in the world today and companies looking to figure out ways to bring people back to the office, you know, number one, how they make them feel safe, how they make them feel comfortable, like you talked about. But then, you know, ultimately, like you said, the safer they feel, the more comfortable they feel, the happier they are in their workplace, they're going to want to be there. They're going to want to be there longer and they're going to want to work longer. They're going to want to work together. So having all this data to show and tie everything together, I think is huge. It's a great way to get people back to the office. And I think it's a great model for other systems integrators to take a look at and add to their portfolio. Like I said, when I first saw this, when you, when you sent this to me, I was like blown away by it. I'm like, you know, this is exactly where integrators need to be going because they're used to tying all systems together, whether it's AV, you know, just audio and video and, and control. They're used to tying that together. Now, just bring more of it together because it's, like, it's all network-based now. And, and system in, like AV system integrators are generally, you know, they're obsessed with the user experience and that user interface and having a lovely user interface. That, to me, is what's required in a modern building. So there is a great route there, I think, for system integrators. You mentioned something there, and that's compliance. And that's probably the third hook. Having this data will help with compliance around who have I been sitting beside many people in the building. And we talk about, we have our own mobile app as part of HearWorks Happy. And we're always trying to see how much information should we give to the end user? Now, could you imagine three years ago, even considering telling people how many people were in a commercial building? The HR people and we'd be like, oh, you can't tell people that. But now suddenly people expect it. I'm not going into work if there's, if there's more than, you know, uh, 20 people in my area. Funny, when we enabled it and we're doing a proof of concept actually in our, in our own office, it's the one thing people check all the time. Many people are in the office, right? And they can't tell who's in the office, but it's how many people. And they love it. And we actually, uh, we switched it off for a while because we were upgrading something. And I was like, where's that gone? You know, so uh, it, as times change, the things we report on uh, will be different. So yeah, but compliance is a big thing in a post-pandemic world, yeah. But having all that data in that one location gives you the ability to turn things on and off and, and give people access to certain data at certain times. So it, it makes a lot of sense. This is a really cool concept. I know we're running short on time, so I, re I really appreciate you just kind of explaining a little bit more as to what an MSI is. You've thrown out more acronyms in the last half hour than... <laughs> I was just trying to keep up with all these acronyms. When you, th when you think about it, Patrick, right? Like, what is IoT? Right. We were only talking about this the other day because actually Julianne, it's a trick question I know now. She's our UX consultant. Actually, she's taken over as product manager. She says, define IoT, define a digital twin. Like there's no clear definitions of any any of these things. So, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. So I really appreciate you jumping on. This has been an awesome, awesome session to learn some new concepts and some new ideas that I'm hoping some of our other USAV members can start to offer. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. No, look, you know where I am. I'm uh, delighted, delighted to be here. Thanks a million for having me, Patrick. Cool. Thanks, Tomas from HereWorks. Also, always thank you to our sponsor, Shore, for sponsoring these great microphones and to StudioPod for our great production staff. So thank you, guys. We'll see you on the next one. It's USAV Bandwidth signing off. Have a great day.